and welcome to KaneCast, a podcast that provides commentary on the economy and financial markets by the Kane Anderson Rudnick Investment Management Team. Hello, this is Jordan Greenhouse, Managing Director with Kane Anderson Rudnick. And with me today, I have Senior Portfolio Manager and Research Analyst of the Kane Anderson Rudnick SMID portfolio, Julie Kudasov. Julie, thank you for your time today. Hello, Jordan. Happy to be here. Julie, the first quarter of 2023 began with a carryover recovery from the tail end of 2022, in which there seemed to be a greater focus on overall stock quality. As we moved into the tail end of the first quarter, however, we began to see markets deteriorate a bit and reverse course due to concerns around banking sector and potential contagion in that industry. Can you provide our listeners with your perspective on the first quarter of 2023? The first quarter did begin on an upbeat note, with inflation slowing and an expectation that the central bank would ease the pace of interest rate increases. Then hot economic data came in, sparking fears that the Fed would have to keep rates higher for longer. The biggest shock occurred in March, with a sudden collapse of Silicon Valley Bank and then Signature Bank, the biggest bank failures since the Great Recession. With the financial system in crisis, fears of a recession once again loomed large. As surprising as it may sound, the quarter overall was better than feared by many. A widely anticipated recession, some would say the most anticipated recession ever, did not materialize. Labor market remained robust despite massive layoffs in the tech sector, and inflation, albeit elevated, continued to ease. As a result, markets ended the quarter mostly in positive territory. The S&P 500 index rose 7%, and the tech-heavy Nasdaq climbed 17%. Larger cap stocks outperformed smaller caps, and tech-heavy growth indices outperformed bank-heavy value counterparts. Interestingly, the first quarter's performance of the Russell 2500 index, the strategist benchmark, was still driven by names with lower earnings quality, weaker balance sheets, and higher volatility. Julie, can you walk us through some names that contributed most during the quarter, as well as some names that detracted during the quarter? Our strongest performing stock was ANSYS, ticker ANSS. Other top contributors included Zebra Technologies, ticker ZBRA, Teradyne, ticker TR, Scott's Miracle Grow Company, ticker SMG, and Watsco, ticker WSO. Ansys develops and markets engineering simulation software that enables customers to test products before the manufacturing or design process is complete, allowing them to develop products better, faster, and cheaper. The company's software is used by engineers, designers, and researchers across a variety of industries. Shares perform strongly, driven by the company's solid operating results, with growth broad-based, both in terms of geographic regions and end markets, as companies are increasingly using simulation software to boost top-line growth through new product development and bottom-line profits through cost savings. We believe that ANSYS' multi-decade dedication to engineering simulation has led to the company's domain expertise and meaningful intellectual property that is hard to replicate. In addition, changing engineering simulation software would entail extensive retraining and transfer of large amounts of legacy data. In our view, the company's robust customer renewal rate serves as evidence of its entrenched market position. Globus Medical, ticker GMAD, was our weakest performer this quarter. 
Other detractors were W.R. Berkeley, ticker W.R.B., Jack Henry and Associates, ticker J.K.H.Y., LPL Financial Holdings, ticker LPLA, and Charles River Laboratories, ticker CRL. Globus Medical is a medical device company that designs and develops implants for patients with spine disorders. Shares declined sharply in early February following the company's announcement of an upcoming sizable acquisition of another medical device company. Historically, Globus has taken share in the attractive global spine market by leveraging the company's best-in-class product offering and pursuing a conservative acquisition strategy, primarily focused on smaller bolt-on technologies. While the target company does operate in Globus core spine markets, the quality of the business, in our opinion, is far inferior to that of Globus. It has a volatile history of profitability with significantly lower operating margins. In addition, the company's culture seems to be more marketing than technology-driven, and it has a history of high management turnover, heavy M&A, and elevated financial leverage. With a transaction carrying a considerable execution risk, as well as potentially becoming dilutive to Globus return capital, we made the decision to exit our position in the company during the quarter. Lastly, Julie, as we move into the second quarter, what are some of the key considerations you and the team are evaluating from a portfolio perspective? Slowing economic growth is most concerning, particularly as it is taking place against the backdrop of inflationary pressures exacerbated by continued uncertainty on the geopolitical front. While improved, inflation remains elevated, impacting consumer spending, the key driver of the U.S. economy, and businesses struggling to offset input cost increases with high prices. An unintended consequence of the Fed's interest rate hikes, the banking crisis is expected to slow the pace of interest rate increases going forward. And with bank lending being the lifeblood of the economy, a risk of a more severe downturn has risen in our view. Although we did not own any banks in the portfolio during the quarter, valuations of several of our financial services sector holdings were negatively impacted. We do, however, view every crisis as an opportunity. In our experience, slowing economic growth usually leads to investors' flight to quality. While the environment remains uncertain, we believe that our focus on highest quality companies Differentiated businesses, self-funding entities producing solid returns on capital from strong balance sheets is particularly relevant today. Julie, as always, thank you very much for the time and the insight. Have a great day. Thanks, Jordan. You have just listened to KaneCast, hosted by Jordan Greenhouse. Subscribe to our podcast on iTunes or Spotify. For more of our investing insights, head over to our website, www.kane.com. KaneCast is the official podcast series of Kane Anderson Rednick Investment Management. This material is provided as a matter of general information and is not intended to be relied upon as a forecast or research. The opinions expressed herein are those of the speakers and are not necessarily the opinions of CAR or its affiliates, are current as of the date and time of the recording, and are subject to change at any time due to changes in market or economic conditions. The information and opinions contained in this material are derived from proprietary and non-proprietary sources deemed by CAR to be reliable and are not necessarily all-inclusive. CAR does not guarantee the accuracy or completeness of this information. This communication should not be construed as an offer or solicitation to purchase or sell any security. Individuals should consult with a qualified financial professional before making any investment decisions. 
Reliance upon information in this material is at the sole discretion of the listener. To the extent any performance is discussed, past performance is not indicative of future results.